Welcome, everyone, to uh, and thank you for joining us on Colin uh, for Unruly. This is your co-host, Ryan Knight, and I'm a little under the weather. I've, I've had this terrible sinus infection that I can't kick, so I apologize for uh, my terrible sounding voice. Um, and also, Rob isn't able to make it tonight, uh, but he will be back next week. Uh, but besides the fact, we've got a great show for, for you guys tonight, and we've got a great group of organizers who are with us tonight. So I would like to give a warm welcome to uh, Courtney Banks, Keisha Banks, and Lucy and Greg, who are all here with Camp Dada, which is a coalition that is focused on building community, mutual aid training, and joy through camping. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Oh. Hello. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for having us on. Yeah. Oh, I'm, thank you guys for being here. Uh, look, the world has just turned to absolute shit um, as a recession looms and as our corrupt politicians in both parties uh, push us closer to world war. So I wanted to talk to folks this week who are actually doing something uh, in our communities to change things because we know our politicians uh, really aren't doing shit besides making everything worse. Uh, so I'm grateful that you all that you are all here tonight. And I guess just to start things off, does does someone want to explain uh, to folks what Camp Dada is, and is there any significance behind the name because it's quite unique? Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Hey, what's up? I'm Courtney. Uh, it's Keisha here with the Bank Sisters. We're some of the organizers. Um, yes, we will let you know what's up with us. <laughs> so um, Camp Dada is just like a grassroots camp um, idea, basically. Um, and we can explain more about kind of how that idea spawned. But um, the reason we chose the name Dada is because it uh, links to Dadaism, which is kind of like an art form mixed with like political rebellion and protest. Um, and that's kind of the path that we wanted to more so focus on because we definitely don't want to put anybody in danger with any of our actions. So we're trying to definitely make a statement through art. Um, and the things that we're focusing on for the camp, we have like three main pillars. We're focusing on the climate crisis. Uh, we're focusing on Medicare for all, and we're focusing on general strike. And then we're also going to have other kind of, other little actions mixed in, like um, burning debt, uh, which will be like student debt, carceral debt, medical debt. And we'll have other kind of mirror actions for people who can't come as well. So uh, that's kind of like an overview of it. Um, but Lucy can kind of explain better, like, why we chose to go camping. <laughs> yeah, so um, basically we chose to go camping um, because, um, well... Uh, there's just a lot going on and I, uh, we were on a stream talking about, um, a March, a new March for healthcare, I believe. And, um, I don't know if it was before or after, um, the, the cops were like showing up to DC with these huge heat shields. Um, and, um, at some point I mentioned, you know, like there's really just a lot of cops, you know, and a lot of protests and it doesn't really seem like it's almost like the protests cause a, a reaction from the government. Like it's, it's hard to get anywhere just, just through protests. This isn't saying that protesting is a bad thing. It's, you know, there's many protests historically that have achieved a lot, but um, we just had the sensation that like what we really need is to build bonds with each other and, and just, you know, brainstorm and figure out what to do next. And um, we, we all spend a lot of time online 
Um, and it doesn't seem like this is really helping us create the bonds we need. Um, and you also, you know, there's community organizations that you can join at a local level, but a lot of those are also co-opted, a lot of these organizations. Um, so um, basically the idea is to just, you know, um, I think, I, I don't know who exactly said this, but people are always like, uh, the left will win. Um, I'm not even sure if I consider my left. I think of myself as like independent. Um, but basically, you know, we'll win when we actually go outside, when we get together and, and grow the bonds that we need to. And, and, and to do that, we need to, to at least plan to be in the same place at the same time, you know. So that's how this camping idea came about. And that's what we're doing. I, I think the, the point about just oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg, please. No, no, I was just no, saying, please put, get us anywhere. Oh, I was just going to respond to uh, um, what Lucy said about uh, all of us being disconnected, because I think in in some ways the Internet has connected us. But in other ways, it has disconnected us from actually building meaningful relationships, community and coalitions in real life. And, and I can be as guilty as, uh, of this as anyone. Is that one of the goals of, of Camp Dada to encourage more connection, direct action and, co and coalition building offline and, and in the real world? Yeah, that's basically the main point is just like, um, you know, Camp Dada, it's not like our brand. We're planning this one camp, you know, where around 50 people are coming. And then um, what we plan to do is hand it over and have somebody else plan the next one. And we will completely retire. Like, we're not going to plan the next event. It's not going to be an incorporated organization. The idea that is that every time there's a new camp, um, there's completely new organizers. Um, so it's not something that will create positions or anything like that. Um, if that makes sense. Definitely. And I think too, like just talking about being disconnected and it's, it's very true. I think that the left is like notorious for talking and talking and talking and, and knowing exactly what needs to happen. But we really tend to clam up when it's the doing of the things <laughs> that get done. And right. I think it's also much easier online to kind of have these stances that rely on theory or, you know, that, that seems so black and white, but when you add things to the real world, there, there's a lot of nuance, gray area. And the thing that the left I think struggles with is understanding that we need, if we are talking about having a big coalition, that means that brings in a lot of people with a lot of different experiences. And so, you know, talking online is not the best way to kind of get to that nuance. And I think that that's one of the coolest things about this camp is that like, it's not attached to any politician and it's not attached to a political party. It's not attached to um, like any bills or anything like that. So it can't, it's nothing where it's like, Oh my gosh, this is going to fail. Like the biggest thing, like, if we can leave trusting each other or at least, you know, making some connections and learn things like that's a success. Mm. And I, I like what you say about, practice because there's a big difference between theory and practice and actually getting out there and implementing uh, these ideas. And I think, you know, it's really easy to believe that everyone should have health care um, and that we should and that housing should be a, a human right and that a habitable planet should be a human right. Uh, but now it's like we have to go and implement that and get these ideas out there and get movements and big coalitions behind them. So we can actually pressure our corporate uh, owned political parties 
to actually to actually implement them. Uh, so I do like the idea of kind of getting offline and getting into into the real world. Um, I, Lucy, you brought up a good point about uh, so many organizations get co-opted. Um, I did do a little bit of research on Dadaism um, and camp when I heard when I just the name was so interesting to me, so I googled it and I and I saw Dada, Dadaism and it, it, it's a it's a kind of an an ideology that that surfaced uh, in World War One, um, and it surfaced uh, through you know using art. Uh, and making and having art kind of uh, be ra- art can be very radical and it can it, it can make a statement and actually fight back against uh, power and fight back against uh, you know the the, the ruling class. Uh, one thing I think that's interesting about this moment in time and why I think bringing something like this back is, is so important is that right now I'd say art and pop culture, especially kind of mainstream art, all of it has basically been co-opted. And we basically, the message out there, the prevailing message in pop culture is that you have to vote for the red corporate party. You have to vote for the blue corporate party because the red corporate party is just so scary. Uh, but despite the fact that the blue corporate party does the same shit that the red corporate party does, they just do it behind our back while the red corporate party is, is, is just doing it to our face. And so, you know, I just think so many organizations I've been a part of have been co-opted by the Democratic Party. I think so many of these wealthy celebrities we see out there are basically co-opted by the Democratic Party, and they think activism is just, oh, go vote blue every four years and everything will be great. Well, look, we have a Democratic Party that's completely sold us out in every possible way. Uh, you can even look at just today this new climate bill uh, that, that, <laughs> that the, the blue no matter who's and the blue megas and and the the Biden loyalists of the world are saying, oh, look, it's a, a this great climate bill. All it takes is for you to actually read the legislation to find out that it's not a climate bill at all. It's actually a fossil fuel bill and a fossil fuel deal. And it gives uh, the reason the, the CEO of Exxon is so excited about this deal. And he came out and is touting it in, in Bloomberg the other day is because the legislation actually gives the big oil companies – 2 million acres of onshore land and 60 million acres of offshore water every year for them to just drill on. So that's what the Democrats are doing. Uh, and then they're calling it a climate bill. So it's again, it's more backstabbing. It's more, you know, this kind of message of hope and change uh, on CNN and MSNBC. But the reality is there's no hope and change for the people or the planet. And it's just another giveaway to the to the big corporations. Uh, so, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Just about this level of co-option that's happened in pop culture. And if 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 something like Dadaism and, and Camp Dada can kind of give people a space to just kind of say how they're actually feeling and express themselves, because right now it's like, we don't see much. We don't get a lot of that. There's a few of us who are very outspoken about the corruption of the Democrats. But what we really see is just, you know, most artists are just like, oh, you got to vote blue no matter who. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I think part of this, too, is like kind of like the residual burning energy that came from 2016. And, of course, like now, like kind of like you said, the Bernie movement is basically the headless zombie of its former self. And so... <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I like create art for Camp Data. I, I really believe in art as a form of like political weapon. That's actually a term coined by uh, Banksy from these are like 1990s street artists. Hmm. Um, but to really influence change because art 
is able to actually shift emotions and create ideas in people's minds that they haven't necessarily thought of before. And so I, I agree with you. I actually see like a lot of, uh, a lot of big, a lot of most musicians nowadays are completely co-opted and are just blue diehards. It's difficult to come across, especially like when they are like funded by corporate money or they have some sort of deal with large corporations. Um, it's difficult, but yeah, this is we're 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 coming from all the different sides of the aisle. Like we have a bunch of different people with plenty of different, like varying experiences that are coming here. Um, yeah, I think that that's. I mean, that's a good point. Like, I, I almost feel like what you guys do is like, or what I've seen, anyways, like, that's kind of hindering the left is with this vote blue no matter who crowd and people who get co-opted they often also rely on like civility and that's why i think like getting in person and letting people say things and maybe say things wrong you know because when you get on the internet that's forever you know when you write it um but when you're in person um you're much more able to like talk through things and hear people's tone and hear how they really feel it does because I, you know, this is why this kind of appealed to me, because I have never, like, joining organizations personally, like, I'm just not, I've, I've tried many, many times, but, um, I don't know, just the group think always takes over, and people tend to, like, not think for themselves, and, um, and I think that that's a real problem, you know, I think, like, we've got to be willing to stand on our own beliefs and standards, and just know that, like, we're all going for the same common goal. And I think that sometimes we're all so scared to talk that we're almost not coming up with any solution. Mm, yeah. Very stifling. I mean, um, and then as far as you know, what Greg was saying, it was so funny. Greg would bring up, bring up Banksy because I mean, he's one of the, like, I feel like what we're going for as far as the art goes, I'm along his same lines. Like, I mean, nowhere near as cool, but something, some, Sorry, I think we, I think we lost the band sisters. Uh, and and also, is, if one of the speakers has kind of some stuff going on in the background when they're not speaking, maybe mute mute yourself. There's a lot of background noise that we're that's coming through. I don't know if someone's outside or they're typing, but but there's a lot of background noise uh, coming through. So if you're not uh, talking, maybe mute yeah, your, they, your mic. <laughs> I don't and I don't know who which one that is, but, the, no, but sorry. No, it's this is like whoever just closed the door. Closed the door. Like, yeah. Can you hear us? By the way, sorry. Yes, I can hear you now. Sorry okay. about that. And thank you, thank you. Sorry. It, it sometimes it just everything gets picked up, so it's hard to hear. Oh yeah, yeah. No, oh worries, yeah. We no have so many Zoom meetings. This happens all the time. <laughs> exactly. There um, we go. It was Greg. He was the guilty one. <laughs> uh, that was okay. wrong. Um, What's up? Um, no, but what I was I like I I like the idea. I mean, you know, we're just gonna try to you know. If I could, if we could make one rich person think just for a second or, you know, give them something to uh, scare them a little bit or, you know, make them wonder what, what the hell these poor people are doing there and, and whether or not we're coming for them. Um, I think that would, be, that would be really fun. So it'll be joyful for us, but it'll also be like, you know, an art type of release. 
Yeah, and I think that I read that, that the first camping trip is going to be in the Hamptons, um, which is an area that I mean, I've never been to the Hamptons. Um, is there a significance about holding this, this event at an area like the Hamptons? Um, yeah, so the significance of holding it in the Hamptons, well, basically, um, uh, when we were planning it, um, uh, I, I just kind of threw, threw it out there as an idea, like we were throwing out several ideas. And the reality is that um, a lot of these protests in cities, um, they're, uh, they're either co-opted by local organizations that like will help out a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, they'll still direct you to vote voting blue, no matter who and all of this stuff. Um, or um, there's just like a huge police presence and at the end of the day, like when you go protest in D.C. or in downtown Manhattan or wherever it is, um, the wealthiest people in our society, they're not even there. You know, like um, a lot of these people are on vacation. When you protest in a really like heavily trafficked area, people get annoyed. You're, you're interrupting the lives of people that are going to work or, you know, like. People Which I, just to be train. fair, though, that is part of it. I mean, protests are supposed to be disruptive. I mean, when you when you have a, a political system and an economy that continues to funnel wealth to the top, you know, the whole point is to. Yeah, but you're not reaching the top sometimes, right. you know, because these protests um, and it's even more now the case than it was during like Occupy Wall Street. At that time, there were a lot of, you know, at least relatively wealthy people that actually still went to Wall Street. And now a lot of these people were like. And then when you're talking about top, um, these people are are in places like that, like the Hamptons, like Martha's Vineyard, or you know any multitude of these wealthy kind of secluded, more secluded areas. Right. And pretty much the only people they see are you know the people, their caterers, their gardeners, their contractors. Um, so the idea really is to you know how can you subtly leave something behind, not to be um, aggressive and in any way this is completely nonviolent because also there's a lot of rules over there so you, it's really you can't um, break the law and we don't want to pay money to the cops <laughs> you know that's like another thing but you do want to let people know that you're there you know what I mean um, and these people really live a completely isolated life like they don't have to um, uh, deal so you know all of these disruptive protests are disrupting the lives of people that really, you know, are going to work. And in some cases, it makes people more reactionary, you know, to, to have to experience more and more disruption in their lives. You know, people will say um, things like, you know, why don't you? <laughs> it's, it's like more addressing the problem at its source, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I'm all about disrupting the Hamptons. So, so that's the idea to kind of go and camp somewhere uh, where, where most of us don't have access to and haven't been. Uh, and kind of show up and show kind of your humanity and, and show kind of uh, the people in the Hamptons, like the actual problems that, that the majority of, of society is facing. Right, exactly. That yeah, I, okay, I can, I can get behind that. I like that. You, you lose me a little bit. And, I, and look, I'm just very honest. You lose me a little bit with the scared to be disruptive because I do think we're at a point now where it's like, I don't know how you break through without being disruptive, especially when 
The Democrats well, are just masters of manipulating and lying and saying, look, we represent hope and change, when the only thing they're changing uh, things for is, is their wealthy donors. So I right, do think there has to be some disruption happening. Yeah, well, I, I feel like the thing there, I mean, it's kind of along the same lines of like people showing up at Pelosi's house, people showing up at Kavanaugh's house, like people actually are starting to protest like right in front of where people... Mm, it's also not just that... And I, I love that. I love when people do the that. The first step. And that's like even making that trust. Like, I think a lot more people would do more disruptive things if mm. we knew we had more systems to support us. Mm. So, like, I think we're missing still that first step. Like, yes, I think people are ready to get. But like some of the things we're going to talk about at the camp, like somebody knows. Um, you know, how to protect your identity when you're right. organizing. Like, these are the kind of things, like, we know how to connect with each other when Twitter kicks us offline. Right, exactly. Like, people don't have each other's phone numbers. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like, we need to be able to, like, yeah. text each other and be like, like okay, let's do this. So you know? I feel like this is kind of that precursor step. Mm -hmm. So more so for this, because even the, the interesting thing about the Hamptons is, like, they'll be surprised that we're there, and I wouldn't be shocked if they change the laws after this, because... They, they, um, well, they do, they did like for protesting, um, once they did this for the Supreme Court. So you basically We're found public campgrounds in the Hamptons. Yeah, yeah. So the public, I love it. That's amazing. No, that's, I, I am fully, that's awesome. But this is like that first step because I just, yeah, building solidarity, getting people to trust each other. I agree. I, I love that part. I just get scared when I hear that people don't want to be disruptive. It reminds me of the squad who was like, you know, they ran for office saying they were going to be disruptors and they were going to fight back against the establishment. And then they, well, exactly. you know, they started to kiss Pelosi's ass be and become Biden apologists. They said that they were going to be super disruptive and they didn't. So I feel like you can go into it and say, look, first we need a system to trust each other because nobody wants mm. to like charge to the head of the line by themselves. Like people have kids, people have families, you know, people have something else to do at the end of the day. So what we like need to do right now, because we really are like, everybody wants to be disruptive. Everybody wants to be super revolutionary. But then, and this has happened to us when we're trying to organize this, they don't even want to come to an event. You mm. know what I mean? They don't even want to go camping. They don't even want to actually, some people don't even really want to talk to people face to face. Um, so uh, the first step really is like getting together, figuring out, um, who uh who you can rely on who you can trust um what are people's skills like if you want to have some kind of movement you need to know what people's skills are who do you go to if you have a question about legal advice or who do you go to if you have a question about you know like self-defense whatever it is you know what i mean mm -hmm. so there's a lot of like different skills that we need and we need to know what is our support system first before you do something disruptive? You can't just charge ahead like a, a lunatic. You know what I mean? Because there's also a lot of forces against us. You have to have a plan. You have to have conversations. So the idea of the of the of the camp is, first of all, to have conversations, to start like having a plan, and then second of all, to encourage other people to put together their own camps maybe in their own part of the country. And it doesn't have to be in a place like the Hamptons. It could be on somebody's land or, you know, <laughs> anywhere, really. It could be a day. It doesn't have to be a week long like ours. So the idea is just to encourage people to actually get together because a lot of us have very um, 
you know, ambitious ideas of what we consider disruptive from something that we read in, in a book or a theory or something, but we haven't done it and we don't have the support system to do it. So first we need to like get together and talk in person. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I, I, I like that. A I good like example that. would be like, we've got people who have kids who are coming and I feel like that's a conversation on the left. We don't have enough because on it, like we don't have children, but like, Let's think about it. If we're going to do a general strike, do we need to have like some sort of babysitters, child care network or something in place? You know what I mean? There's just like all of these kind of things that I think, um, you know, when we talk about third parties, we talk about third parties a lot, but we've got a lot of energy scattered around. We haven't even decided like where are we going to put our energy? So there's a lot of, I think, like steps, you know, that we still have to take. Which uh, part of the byproduct of capitalism too is kind of to purposely kind of separate us and that's like why everybody's so terminally online is because not not necessarily because of the comfort but because the the way that the system currently operates is to purposely separate us and to purposely prevent us from any sort of mass organization or mass movement yeah no look i would 100 percent agree with that and just real quick on, on third parties um, there was a big uh, 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 breaking news story right before we came on. And uh, a few weeks ago, we had on uh, a Green Party candidate, Matthew Ho, who's running for Senate in North Carolina. And the Democrats tried to literally subvert democracy and get him kicked off the ballot, even though he collected the, the over 20,000 signatures and, and met the threshold. Well, a federal judge just ruled... Uh, for the North Carolina uh, State Board of Elections to put the Green Party back on the ballot uh, this November in North Carolina. So I think that's an awesome uh, win for the Green Party, for democracy, and for everyone who wants to have voter choice. Uh, but getting back to what Greg just said about capitalism, <clears throat> excuse me, capitalism uh, kind of disconnecting us and separating us, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we often hear of kind of the physical toll that, that capitalism has taken on the working class as people are working longer hours for less pay, but it's also taken a spiritual toll on us because we have become so disconnected, uh, not just from ourselves, but from our communities, from each other, and from what I think our primary purpose really on this earth is. I, I don't know about y'all, but I wasn't put on this earth to work all day to, uh, to enrich the handful of oligarchs who control the American economy. I believe that we are put on this earth to help people and to share with people what we have learned uh, along our journeys. Uh, is organizing and planning an event like this a way to help us reconnect uh, with our communities and, and kind of discover uh, those kind of philosophical questions like, what is our purpose here? Uh, because I think that helps people kind of understand that when you look at our system, especially when it comes to the climate crisis, and you see that capitalism is literally just leading humanity to to extinction you know a century from now and it's like what was the point of working to get rich if it all just ended up in in the eventual extermination of our species like our grandchildren aren't going to care how much wealth you had when they don't have a habitable planet to live on so uh, what are your thoughts on that is this camp about kind of uh digging into those kind of questions and and, and really kind of uh you know, filling in the void that capitalism, the spiritual void that we have from capitalism. Um, wow. So yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so interesting because I, the camp, I mean, you know, we haven't talked about it that much, but we talked about it enough on 
um, are already kind of in line with like, yeah, capitalism is bullshit. We have to fight against it. I think our bigger problem is how do we market and propagandize to the rest of the country that they need to fight against this crazy capitalism that they think is the status quo and this is the way that things should be. So I'm hoping some of our strategizing is going to be, you know, around like, how do we bring in people who are kind of, you know, don't vote in the margins, like, you know, not really affected at all, but let them know that, you know, there is something else we could do besides capitalism. And, you know, I mean, the the propaganda is so strong, of course, in the United States. So um, I think really cool if we could work on a way to try to convince people to get away from that. I think a lot of people just don't even know. They just think this is it, you know? Um, I think, well, we're going to have, we're going to have a big focus on also in the camp. And we were actually kind of um, dissed about it. Like, oh, this is just a, this is just a camp for people to relax at. And like, yeah, that's part of it. (laughs) Like, yes, that is part of it. There are who never get to go on vacation there's so many jobs that like mm-hmm. never let you have the time off but that's been a huge issue with a lot of people who want to come they can't get the time off mm-hmm. um and even though it's over a holiday <laughs> right it's over a holiday weekend um and then there's a lot of people because of covid who have isolated there are a lot of people who have children so they don't have time they don't have like adult relationships so there are a lot of like single uh, there are a lot of parents coming without their kids you know just so they can have some adult conversations um, we're going to try to do things like yoga. We want, you know, hiking. there's like a beach there. We really want people to recharge because we can't fight this fight if we're constantly burned out. And that's something that the rich will always have over us. They can mm-hmm. always get to recharge because they have other people to do all of the mentally taxing stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that is something that we do want to give people. There are, there are some people coming who have never been camping before. And that's a huge gift to give to a person. Because when you think about it, you know, a lot of space, especially for black and brown people, uh, they're often put out of green areas. So to go somewhere that's super green, some people haven't been hiking, you know? So I think it's... Um, it's like reclaiming these spaces that, you know, are really supposed to be just for people with wealth. And the reason for that is because when you see the color green in nature, it recharges your brain. It makes you more calm. That's something that literally you can't, you know, if you're poor, you can't change your situation. You might be surrounded by concrete and just being surrounded by concrete that changes your demeanor. So, yeah, I mean, like relaxation and getting away from the concept of capitalism, like we definitely want to like like we want to instill that and like instill, you know, kind of like taking care of and recharging mentally and physically with the camp. Which is so needed right now. Um, and also what about joy? I mean, that's, I think another thing that capitalism kind of robs us of is just joy. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's recharging, but also just having fun. Um, you know, I think, and I think that's something that's missing a lot in coalition building. And I think it's, because frankly, sometimes it's hard to find joy when there's so much corruption and when you're when you got the boot on your on your neck and you know you're just working you know you're working two jobs trying to survive under this repressive system uh, that it, it can be hard to find joy. But is that is this camp also about kind of finding joy and bringing back joy to people's lives? Because I think that's something that's so needed right now. Well, yeah, like part of it is. Um... You know, like we, we, when we started brainstorming, we were talking about staging, uh, we discussion, discussing the idea of staging a protest. Um, 
I don't know if you heard about the last like Medicare for all protest, but it, it wasn't really a, a very large protest. And I think the reason is uh, people are tired. You know, people in 2020, people protested. You know, there's been the there was the Freedom Convoy in Canada. You know, there's a lot of protests going on, but you also need. Um, to come together in, you know, uh, not just for protests, like we actually need to come together in person, because again, like uh, platforms like Twitter, YouTube, um, they're, they're a good way to make a first connection, but they also uh, kind of hype up a lot of negative emotions, you know, like mm. Twitter, people get really pissed off on Twitter. So at the end of the day, like we need to come together as humans and not just come together for a protest where you go and then you go home and then that's the end of it. Like, because, um, you know, a lot when you see the protest, the protest itself is actually just should just be the culmination of the movement. Like, uh, uh, there's a lot to do before, after, in between um, a protest. So w what we really need right now is like, to grow those bonds, figure out how to help each other. Because, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, about it, like, seems like a very, you know, go out, camp with, you know, people that you agree with. It, it, but it's something that we don't do. And honestly, um, our generation, um, I don't know, um, but, like, I'm an older millennial. And, um, Same. you know, we're not we're not more conservative than our parents. But they, they didn't support all these things that happened in the past. I think there really made a difference that they weren't like terminally online all the time, that they really, uh, mm. ha you know, had stronger bonds with each other, um, came together more often. Um, like I see that in my parents, I see that in the boomers, you know, it's, it's, so if we had, you know, with our same ideology, like, the ideology of our generation and, and the Xennials and the newer generations, the, the younger generations that know that the system isn't working for them. Um, but we have lost a lot of what the boomers and the, you know, silent generation and, um, uh, you know, the generation that lived through the Great Depression, etc. They had, they really did have stronger bonds they had stronger social skills so unfortunately we're gonna have to relearn that because like technology in my opinion it can be really great i love tech but it can also really be extremely isolating and in the united states we are really suffering from that because in other countries um you know if there's a recession or if there's a depression people can't afford electronics so they, they're forced to talk to each other they're forced to deal with each other here even though we have so many problems, we still have cheap electronics. We have TV. We have entertainment. We have Twitter. We have this. We have that. So from computer to telephone, whatever it is, and, and like, you know, grow those social bonds again. Because um, it's, it's really something we've lost. Like, <laughs> No, I agree with you. I, I think we're, there's so many distractions. And I think that like I said earlier, the internet has connected us in some ways and, and, and allowed us to find each other, but the energy kind of all gets stopped and we're not really doing anything more with all of the energy. Uh, and any time, any, and the people who, you know, the vehicles we do have, you know, things like DSA or, um, you know, justice Democrats or, you know, really all the pro 
organizations that call themselves progressive, at the end of the day, they're all just filtering more people into the DNC and into the Democratic Party. And I mean, it's we've been doing it since they've been doing it since 2016. I mean, that was Bernie's first run. The squad got elected in 2018. So it's been six years since Bernie's first run and, and four years since AOC and the squad got elected. And I don't think they've changed the Democratic Party at all. Um, I actually think that that it's been it's it's done more damage because it's kind of put like a bandaid on the Democratic Party and made them look like oh look the party is progressive when like it's not progressive at all it is a corporate imperialist capitalist party to its core and it will always fight against any kind of socialist or populist policy that will give power to the people uh, because that would impact their corporate donors and they exist to defend their corporate donors so I think that. Unfortunately, Bernie and, and some of these progressive organizations, they kind of give the Democrats this progressive veneer that they need to kind of stay relevant. And I think that, that if, if we can get that veneer to fade, it, it scares a lot of people. But if we, could, if we could get Bernie and the AOC to understand that the Democrats are never going to change, they could be some of our greatest tools to building the kind of movement we need to change this country. But in the meantime, I agree that we need uh, vehicles and coalitions that actually are 100 uh, percent you know, grassroots, that are 100 um, percent you know, not attached to either political party, to any political party for that matter, and, and to see kind of what the people want to do. Because at the end of the day, uh, democracy is really about the people deciding. Uh, so it, I think it's great that you guys are kind of giving people this outlet to come and express themselves and, and to kind of see what comes from it. Um, wh what is your guys' goal with Camp Dada? Like if you could give me a couple, like what is your, your main few goals that you hope to accomplish with it? Who wants to take this? Greg? Me? Okay, I guess I'll go. Um, <laughs> All right. We might each have different goals. Well, so. yeah, I, I would say well, my Well, let's goal hear from everyone. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I would say my goal would just be building bonds. Um, like, you know, if I could meet one or two people that I'm like, you know what, they're pretty cool. We could do something after this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think that'd be a success for me. Yeah, my goal would be, let's see, um, my phone number. I feel like like getting to the point where we're like, wow, we have each other's cell phone numbers. That's like a big deal. So I'll, I'll keep it simple. <laughs> I love it. Just trying to go get a number. <laughs> I think I like yep. that, that the re like the reason they just the idea of a camp um, is because it kind of translates to basic survival instincts and kind of like we talked about before that it's not acting as a te technological minesweeper into the Democratic Party. Instead, um, it's a way to actually build bonds and like Keisha mentioned earlier, it's not, it's not necessarily like a straight up protest, but instead a precursor, a step one that will eventually translate into mass organization and mass movement and mutual aid groups. I mean, it's important to look at, to, at a lot of the historical benchmarks, like how did the MLKs and the Malcolm X's of the day actually influence change? And they did it in person, and they did it by building bonds, building groups together. Yeah, um, my goal is also just to, like, have an offline interaction. Um, uh, because, I mean, kind of like you, I started off, like, 
in 2020 after I lost my job, um, just going on YouTube. Um, but I feel like we need that offline interaction. And historically, you know, that's basically the difference between <laughs> um, like movements that have gone forward or have completely failed is the lack of interaction or the lack of bonds. Like the civil rights movement, and I'm not claiming this is that at all. This is just like an activity that we're trying to put together. But um, they had in-person bonds. Not only that, they had interstate connections. So they had people bus down there from the north and they had people coordinating the buses. And th there was someone, you know, counting how many people fit on the bus. So th there's a lot of logistics that goes behind that. It's not just the angry protests that you see in the news. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a lot right. of logistics. There's uh, people that volunteer their time, their driving, their skills, um, whatever it is. So, um, like, I think what, what would be ideal um, is to see this grow in a decentralized manner. Like, mm -hmm. it would be sad for me, I think, if Camp Dado, for example, actually became an organization or a nonprofit, you know, that became kind of like an outdoors club or something. Um, what I would like to see is more other people starting their own Camp Dada's. You know, like other people, you know, like we can land if you want to start, for example, your own Camp Dada in Michigan or in Tennessee or whatever state you live. Like what would be cool is if we could offer the discord um, that we built, you know, the infrastructure. And then, um, you know, that event is your responsibility. Um, the people uh, that live in Michigan or in Tennessee or whatever uh, state they want to run a camp. And then we start to build those inter in interstate connections to do something. Um, I'll give you another example. Like, for example, a lot of people are saying um, there's going to be a food shortage coming. Um, grow your own food. Well, like I live in the Bronx. I can't grow my own food. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So like. I can't grow my own food. And I, as a matter of fact, I actually know somebody that has tried to do some of these urban gardens. And we have a lot of problems with that here because our, our soil is not good. It's like contaminated. So we would need to have connections with people from rural areas, you know, and you, yeah, you you can organize with your local community, food pantry, etc. But that doesn't give you some of the like interstate connections that you would need to like exchange agricultural products or um, to, you know, to like get people to bust down to the South to help with some kind of um, problem that they're having in, you know, Kentucky or Tennessee, whatever. Um, that, Cause that's what happened in the civil rights movement. People really, they did organize buses to come down from the North from like multiple colleges all around the country. It was like a very inter, very connected um, movement. It wasn't just a local movement so like you need the local stuff um but i feel like they know how isolated and disconnected we are online and um i've seen even like what you're saying about the dsa and all of these like um fake progressives oh they're always I, like i've encountered these people and they're always saying things like look organize your community organize you need your community but you also need some kind of outside support, some kind of interstate connections. That's actually historically how a lot of this stuff has happened. It hasn't just happened with like one community, you know, in one neighborhood. That's not how things happen.
We have to be since we've oh go ahead please oh, please, please like interconnected like the mob or something you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly what i was gonna say lucy like what that's one of the biggest goals is passing it on and we already have interest in other people um starting their own and we're starting like brainstorming sessions for that so you know i think that that's really positive you know like other people can can take that on and and that's that's the goal keep keep it growing kind of an aside question because we do see a lot of of new movements uh, get co-opted or you know one of the i mean the democrats are are kind of masters at it of of just kind of sucking up any kind of leftist socialist even democratic socialist movement and kind of bringing it into their their tent so then they can water it down and then eventually destroy it but how do we how do we build enough trust and with with people that were that because that's the, the thing I'm hearing a lot from people is, you know, when a new organization starts, like, oh, it's just going to get co-opted, you know, like the DSA did or like, you know, every, you know, how do we prevent that from happening? How do we keep, uh, you know, coalitions and, and movements independent from uh, the two corporate parties and, 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 and focused on uh, the policies and the people that the movements should be about and not, you know, because and that's for me, that's what ruined Bernie's movement that ended up and Bernie's movement woke me up. I voted for him twice in 2016 and 2020, but what ended up happening for me is that Bernie and AOC and the squad became more important to the movement than the actual policies like Medicare for all and the green new deal and a living wage that the movement was supposed to be fighting for. And, and, and the people that the movement was supposed to be fighting for, you know, when we, I helped organize the force the vote campaign and, you don't even know the pushback we got. Like, how dare you question AOC? How dare you demand accountability from politicians? How dare you? Don't you know? She knows She knows what's best for the movement. You guys don't. And it's like, well, does she know it's best? They all just voted for Pelosi without getting any major concessions. Oh, right. You know, Bernie endorsed Joe Biden without getting any major concessions. Did the same thing. He endorsed Hillary Clinton without getting any major concessions. So, how do we keep the movements about the people and the policies is, I guess, what I'm getting at. We know about the pushback from Force the Vote. We were uh, at, at the <laughs> D.C. Uh, protest. Yeah. And the things that people said about the low turnout was so ridiculous and pathetic because there was also the town hall and there was also the I mean, it was just so ridiculous. And then when AOC didn't deliver on, you know, pushing for the fight for 15, which she said was in the bag, n- those people were silent, you know, mm-hmm. like there was no any better ideas, right? There was no uprising. And that's what I'm really sick of. I'm really sick of that energy of like putting down every idea, um, not pushing these politicians uh, too much of, um, anytime you kind of say a dissenting opinion, you know, you're really labeled and it seems yep. like every going to that rather than like discussing the actual points, you know, Oh, well, okay. Then you're right wing. Oh, okay. Well then you want Trump to win. Oh, okay. Well, how about the Democrats actually do some work and earn some votes and pass something that actually matters. So people will vote for them. But yeah, that's why it's, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. I think what it's like is money and marketing I think, mm-hmm. and people like we're, you know, the, the side with the good policies is, is really low on people right now. So Maybe money and marketing can fix that. Greg, what do you think? I also like more centralized, focused policy. Greg, your your connection is not good. Sorry, can you hear me now? 
Yes, now we can. Um, no, I was just saying, uh, I like how we're more so focused on central policy as opposed to actually even breathing the name of a politician. It is more so people-focused rather than actual, quote-unquote, politics. Did we lose Is Greg still talking? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Also, to clarify, did you ask the how do we not get co-opted? Because I, I probably went on a tangent Ooh, about forces. Oh, yeah, but I wasn't referring to maybe your group. I was just referring in general. Like if and anyone else is listening, like how do we prevent, you know, how do we organize in a way where, you know, we can keep it about the policies, we can keep it about the people that the movements are supposed to be fighting for. And, and keep it away from the, the parties that, that co-opt it and, and keep it away from, from big money interests that, you know, have a vested interest in the status quo. And so they, they – I mean that's for me like I was a Democrat for 17 years. And when I finally opened my eyes, it just became so clear to me that the, lit- the party literally exists to stop any real movement to the left in this country. I mean the party exists to, stop, to stand in the way of progress and kind of be the gatekeepers and say, oh, no, like that sounds great great in theory you know it'd be great for everyone to have health care or it'd be great to house homeless people or it'd be great to give you know the descendants the descendants of of you know african-american slaves reparations that all sounds great but it's not possible we can't do that you know that's right. really been the job of the democrats my whole life is to kind of say to kind of give lip service to to justice and to you know equality but not actually when when the rubber meets the road they're never actually going to pass a policy that actually puts money and power into the hands of the people who need it the most. Uh, contrary, yeah. actually, they, they put more money and power into their corporate donors' hands, into Wall Street's hands. And when I finally saw the Democrats for the backstabbers that they were, it's like, wow, I can never vote for them again. And I know there's a, millions of people out there just like me, but it's like how do we organize this energy now in an effective way so we can actually put some real meat behind it and, some, and get some real change? Well, and that's why, like, it just when you even said that word co-op, and, and I would say that's why decentralization, I think, is one of the biggest keys because mm. I think that that's, I think when we have these hierarchies and stuff, we get too, then we get sucked into civility politics. Then we get sucked into, oh, okay, somebody's got to run for president of this thing. And then that takes, you know, however many months to run mm-hmm. for an office of an organization. We don't have <laughs> right. time. We don't have time. Okay. People need to step up and step in. And like, like with what happens with our organization, you know, like many people have had, have, have come in and stepped up. And for other reasons, personal or work have had to step out and other people have stepped up, you know, like we're working class people, the real life is going to happen. So I think when we kind of like, like kind of just get ourselves away from having these kind of celebrities and the leaders or the thought leaders, Mm -hmm. because a lot of thought leaders on the left aren't doing shit. They're they're just, they're not. It's true. It's true. And actually I would actually take it a step further. A lot of th- most of the thought leaders on the left, what they're at, they're actually are doing something. They're just funneling people even deeper into the Democratic Party, and they're making excuse after excuse uh, for why the Democrats, even when they have control of the entire government, can't actually ever pass any meaningful policy. 
Or the worst thing, which is what they're doing right now, uh, I see left thought leaders saying that the economy is booming when um, we've had two quarters now of a decline in GDP, which for the last 75 years, the definition of a recession has been if you have two consecutive quarters where there's a decline in GDP, it's a recession. Well, now all of a sudden that Biden is president and the Democrats have power, it's no longer uh, – they're changing the definition of the word recession. Uh, or you have people now saying that, oh, this climate bill is so great, like I said earlier, when it's actually a, a fossil fuel bill that, that expands fossil fuels and expands drilling on public land. So I actually see most leftist thought leaders – People I used to be in the trenches with, people I used to learn from, they actually just serve this purpose of just funneling people deeper into the DNC. And, it, and I think now we're in a space where like I've, I frankly – and I hate to say this. I think a lot of people have just given up. They're like, OK, the Democrats are so powerful. They're so good at co-opting. They're so good at like pretending that you know they represent change. And then there's enough comfortable liberals in America who don't need Medicare for all, who don't need reparations because they're comfortable. And so they can just you – know, and if you're comfortable, all you need to do is turn on the TV and, and hear Buttigieg or Kamala Harris or Biden you know, screaming hope and change platitudes or just spouting hope and change platitudes and, and putting, you know, putting lipstick on a pig and saying everything's great. But if you are living at the margins or below the margins, you don't give a shit about platitudes coming from a politician's mouth on TV. They're like, where's my health care? Where's my reparations? Where's my Medicare for all? You know, where's, a, where's a living wage? Where's a job that can actually put a roof over my family's head? And so, I, I, again, I think that, that we're now at a state where it's about class and it's about finding enough people to fight back against both of these corrupt parties who've, who've continued to take so much from the people and, gives, and give nothing. The Democrats well, I- used to give breadcrumbs. We don't even get that anymore. We get lies and platitudes. I think, like, we're at a... Well, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but um, I think we're at a point where, you know, there, it's true that there are people, a lot of people that are middle class, but, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a mistake to assume that your middle class <laughs> status, what, you know, whatever it is. And by the way, middle class can mean very many different things. Like there are people that are middle class that can't make the rent. And then there's people in, that are middle class that have never had a problem in their lives. And those very different categories are kind of lumped together in middle class. <laughs> well, the, the statistic, um, let me just read the statistics so we can keep it on the facts. The, the, the fact is that there are 140 million Americans who are poor or low income. So that's not middle class. That's almost half the right. country now. Now, yes, there is still a middle class in America. And, they, and, and unfortunately, what happens is uh, they have a louder voice because the, the, the cable news networks, the MSNBCs and the Fox News and the CNNs, they cater to a middle class and an upper middle class crowd who just, you know, only cares about platitudes because they don't need policy. Well, they don't I need don't life saving really policies. So, Democrats anymore. Like, yeah. like I'm going to, like, I, I did go through a stage and I do feel like it, part of it was going to college where I thought that the Democrats were actually a left party and then I realized they're not at all. Um, so I, like, I don't even want to waste any more time talking about yeah. it. Like, I just I wanted to make like sure that people, people really knew like there to... is half the country is poor or low income at this stage. Yeah, so... but I, I, what I think like is, is, is happening. Like, for example, um, uh, but you know, the democratic party just made this announcement that they're just going to, they're going to hire a bunch of IRS, new IRS agents. 87,000. Um, um, so I, I don't know how many, how much, how many was it? 
Oh, 87,000. 87,000. So all of that is going to be to police the wages of the middle class. because so the poor don't really have that much money um, to. So there's a big problem, you know, with BlackRock buying up properties of the middle class. Um, and the middle class um, is really the key to a lot of this, actually. Um, that's why um, the idea of occupying the Hamptons um I think, you know, it's not just about uh, the, the, the top, <laughs> it, it is about the top 1%, but it's also about getting the middle class um, to realize that, um, you know, this can't go on for much longer. Like, we have to bring people together. Um, right. How are we? Well, the middle class, my people... point in the 140 Wait, million poor low income is the middle class <laughs> has been shrinking for the last but, five decades. And we're at a yeah, point but, now where the, the poor and working class outnumber the middle class so but the middle the middle class like we have a problem like we have a problem in this country where we're very segregated we're still very segregated we don't talk to each other so uh like just like the basic like one of the 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 simple ideas here is just bring people together that are middle class with people that are poor people that are um a little bit wealthier you know, if, if you if there are some common things that you can work around, because if we continue to be disconnected like this in, in this kind of offline pattern, we're, we're not going to, you know, like we still live in a very segregated country. Um, we live in very separate neighborhoods. Um, you know, like, I mean, maybe you can talk about this more, um, but the Bank Sisters, uh, like, pretty much grew up in like a white area, completely white area. Um, I. You know, so, you know, like I'm I'm actually completely white and I grew up in a completely non-white area. So, you know, we're all very different. We have very different perspectives, but like we're most people still live very segregated lives. And we're not going to be able to get over that if we don't come together in person. Like we can't (laughs) kind of move forward online because, you know, I I agree with you there. I agree. I, I absolutely think that it at this point we need to get out in person and start to, to, to come up with a plan. Like you said earlier, I absolutely agree. Um, okay. Uh, when, uh, kind of final questions here, when is this camp happening? Uh, how can people participate and, or contribute, uh, to your guys's efforts? So the camp is, the camp is over Labor Day weekend and right now we're at capacity so we're about like 44 campers ish. Um, maybe we might add more, not sure, but depending right now, on our, our budget, yeah, our budget. So, um, we're trying to raise 4,000 more dollars, um, just to make sure that everybody's fed. Um, or you can donate to our, um, our wish list. We have wish lists on Amazon and, uh, Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Through, through the eye of the storm. We, yeah. we did we leave the beast there. We have um, to. It's capitalism. Only, what can we do? I know. It's so terrible. Yeah. But No, I mean, you need stuff to, to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we do um, need some more sleeping bags and, like, fire bowls because that's mm-hmm. another kind of cost barrier that they put up in the Hamptons. Um, you can't just light a fire on the ground like a normal – even though the ground is sand, you can't light a fire on the ground. You have to put it in a little metal bowl, so – they come up with great ways to thwart us, I guess. But yes, our Give Butter page is a great way to um, find us and our um, Twitter learn more about us. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter is um, at Info Change Camp. Our Instagram is at Camp Dada Twenty Two. Um, we also have a merch shop, which is on um, Spreadshirt and our Spreadshop, yeah. And that um, is actually having a sale. They're having a twenty percent off sale. So. Um, 
if until Sunday, until Sunday, and we're gonna do be doing some mirror actions where people can do the actions um, along with us from you know their own neighborhoods, and hopefully also repeat and hashtag us and all that good stuff so we can stay connected. So um, you know that's a good reason if there ever was to get a piece of merch with Camp Dot. That and that we want to you know keep passing on this you know this idea. So if you get a Camp Dada shirt now um, or an apron or a hat, uh, you know, that will give a little bit of a donation to us, but also, you know, maybe then you can have your own Camp Dada where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just kind of think of like paying it forward. Yeah. I love that. And, and kind of closing thoughts. What, what do you guys want uh, people to, 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 when they think of Camp Dada, what do you want them to think about? Greg, who's going first? <laughs> I would say, um, I would say, I'd like it to be rem- what when people think about it. Um, I would like kind of fun, um, honesty, guts, uh, and and kind of just like action. I would mm. kind of like people to kind of remember it or think about that. Um, because we didn't have any kind of sketch or game plan. Uh, we've just been steadily meeting and working through issues and it's really, really hard and people get burnt out and Mm. people argue, but you know, you've got to keep pushing through to, um, to just at least try to get to that point. Um, cause you don't know, people might be ops too. So just keep keep working. Be careful for sure. Um, I would also say you know, I'd love for you know people to come away with strategy um, and plans for the future and the connections to implement those strategies. I really like the concept of Dadaism. I mean, it's not like strictly a North American concept. There's actually uh, plenty of Dadaism groups that took place in former Yugoslavia, uh, Italy, Japan. Europe, etc. Um, so really bringing about change and influencing both minds and hearts through creativity. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Um, I, I just like would like people to get offline and, and plan their own camps or plan their own day events in the park, whatever, you know, um, like try to and it doesn't have to be an official organization. I like it. Well, thank, uh, and I love what, what Greg just said. Um, so you guys, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Thank you for uh, planning this event. And uh, I will post the links uh, so people can uh, learn more about it uh, when, I, when I post the show. But uh, I wish you guys all, all the best in this. And again, thank you guys for taking an hour of your time and coming and sharing uh, with us a little bit about Camp Dada. And I hope you guys have a great event. And I hope we can continue to uh, get outside and, and get offline and, and, and really get out there and start to build the country that we all deserve. Hell yes. When the wow. gas prices come down, we'll come see you. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> Good for country. So. I would love it. I would love it. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys take care and be safe. And again, thank you for what you're doing. Have a good one. Thanks, Have a good- you too. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye.